Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips from RelationshipGPSProject.com. So one of the questions that I'm curious about is uh, you're a social worker and therapist. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and so, so a social worker, I'm not quite sure uh, if, if it's different terminology or different roles, but f- for us here, a, a social worker is someone who works for the government and they kind of um, support and help people in, in all kinds of difficult situations that can't. Right. So in the U.S., um, there is that kind of stigma attached, but there. Um, there's a designation of licensed clinical social worker and uh, those folks are um, uh, licensed to do psychotherapy, mental health treatment, diagnosis, that sort of thing. Um, So I've been licensed and doing therapy work uh, for 17 years now and in the field for about 25 years. So I'm, I'm always curious, someone like yourself, um, how you got into it and th- your motivation behind such a role. Right. So in my case, you know, I had a mildly dysfunctional family. Um, I didn't have a big trauma or difficult experience that brought me into the field. But um, what I do have is this ability Um, that became apparent at an early age of um, understanding people, understanding relationship concepts, and being able to talk to people about their problems and um, how to go about um, getting on a better path. I've kind of been doing that since I was a kid. Hmm. So it was something you naturally did? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, wh- what was that with friends or with, were you kind of the person that people would come to or, or was there some kind of triggering event that, that suddenly made you more interested or? Yeah, I think it was always just people came to me to talk about problems. Maybe I was a good listener. And, and you just innately knew what to do or, or it was in the fact of that you, while you were listening, you were able to kind of see. Yeah. Well, you know, I was an avid reader as a kid. Um, I was just recalling recently that when I was a kid, I used to hop on my bicycle and take my list of books that I wanted to read to, uh, uh, to the bookstore, to the used bookstore. And I remember specifically having a list of classics, maybe 100 classic books that kids should read. And I remember trying to check off the books on the list. And so I think just by reading and, you know, exposing myself to um, things beyond my own world, um, I was able to have a better grasp. Hmm. And I I suppose I can relate to that in that when you're trying to work out ideas and you've learned something and you get excited by that and you see that as as a way out and you then can see that in someone's situation and you're quite enthusiastic and you want to share that with them. Yeah, um, exactly. and you kind of—it's a way of learning. So, but one—I'm uh, digressing. But um, um, one thing that's 
quite curious is I, I remember reading the, you were familiar with the Myers-Briggs personalities. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember um, um, them saying that that was, that was the characteristic of one that you'd have like, like you'd read a whole row of library books or you'd have a list that you'd want to work through of books to read. Uh, which which uh, personality? I think, I think it was mine. It was one similar to mine. It's, mine is an INTP, but I'm okay. kind of in line with INT, uh, INTP, INTJ. Do you, do you know which you are? I'm, I think I'm a former ENFP and now more like an INFP. <laughs> okay, that's, that's interesting. You, often introverts um, kind of learn ways of... of reaching out and, and becoming more sociable but it's normally uh i would think more common to go from i to e than than e to i right um well i think in the work that i do i just kind of need to take some time and go inward um mm. more often now <laughs> yeah i can I imagine charged up by the external or you know having uh, the extrovert experience. Right. Maybe that's part of being in one's 20s. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some development. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so I can imagine. Um, and you deal with kind of people from all kinds of uh, situations, don't you? I do. Yes. Um, I do have a niche. And um, today I'm coming more as a coach than as a therapist. Um, so I just want to say that at the outset, but in my therapy work, um, I kind of niche down to um, working with people who are in toxic relationships, um, you know, from, you know, start to finish, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> people have come to me, you know, suffering relationally, and then we um, use the tools that I've developed over the years and they find themselves becoming free and actually um, improving through the process. Hmm. Okay. So um, this is interesting to me because um, so people, so I think where relationships get difficult is because it's it's like the concept I talk about. I, I I think of it as one plus one equals three. So you have yourself, you have your partner, and then you also have where you are a couple. So you have um, two separate people have three three new identities free, or three identities from the relationship, and the relationship is the dynamic between them. Um, and so. I think where it's difficult and where people lose themselves is because when, um, if you have a difference of opinion and the other person's opinion can, so I have my opinion, partner has their opinion. Um, how do we get to define what's right? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start with that. How, how do you, get to that position where you don't want to be like you believe in something on you or you feel that's right. And, and your partner has a different view, but, and you don't want to be like, 
you don't want to just be a dick and say like it's you know my way or or, or whatever um and you're trying to be understanding um and yet there's somewhere in there where you can lose yourself in the relationship Okay, so this is exactly what I do, Robert. Mm. <laughs> I love this question, and I'm taking notes as we um, as I hear it because there's a lot of components to what you just said. Um, what I would like to start with is kind of my signature line, and this is similar to what you said um, about the one plus one equals three, but it. Uh, it's similar, but um, but different at the same time. It's, it's along those lines, um, but here it is. And usually, I'll just go back for a second. When I meet with someone in the first or second time of meeting, I kind of go through these steps and say, you know, I have six words to say, and that will be foundational to the work that we do together. Um, and if I don't lead up to those six words, uh, it, it probably just will go unnoticed and you'll say, oh, that's so obvious. What's the big deal? Everyone knows that. And um, so I kind of say all of that and, they, and then I say, are you ready to hear the six words? And they'll say, yes, I'm ready to hear the six words. And are you ready, Robert, to hear the six words? I'm ready. Okay. The six words are, I am me, you are you. Okay. That's it. So, yeah. So go ahead. So, so really what you're saying is um, it's about having a clear sense of boundaries and a clear sense of grounding in your own identity. Even more basic than that, that I am a self, you are a self. And hmm. a lot can come out of that, but that's foundational to relationship. Um, so without having to like determine your boundaries and figure out who you are and all of that, just at a very fundamental level, I am a self and I, um, look at it, um, when I'm talking to people, I'll say, um, imagine that you're a circle and the other person is a circle. So I am me, you are you. And then I see myself for the purpose of discussion as a circle and they're a circle and, um, you know, circles can change sizes. So there's, you know, becoming big or becoming small or being, you know, just right. <laughs> and mm. so then I'll say it's necessary for there to be two big circles in order to have a healthy relationship. So when I heard you say, lose yourself in relationship, I'm thinking, oh, someone just became small, rather than two people being the same size circle. Okay, so, so what you're saying is, in terms of being small, it would, would be where you accept someone else's reality um, and let go of yours. Right, going against the self for mm. the sake of the relationship. And there may be times when one might do that mindfully, like I'll sacrifice myself in some way. But, you know, if it's not mindfully done, if it's a default pattern that one or the other is becoming small, losing themselves, going against themselves, it's impossible to have a healthy relationship 
it, of the I am me and you are you. Okay. So like the, the prerequisites for someone, for that to ha happen, for someone to, to shrink themselves is either a need for the relationship um, or a belief or, or, or lack of valuing the structures, the beliefs um, that make them who they are. Right. So with each self, they each have their own domain. And so their domain or, you know, the, the area of the circle would mm. be, um, I have my little list here because I don't want to leave anything out, but this is not a conclusive list, but, or a um, full list, but uh, feelings, decisions, choices, preferences, beliefs, understanding, perception, needs, wants, um, are, you know, a few of the things that would be in one's domain or in their circle and what makes them a self. Sorry, I, I was, I'm just trying to, to, to take some notes to, uh, to keep up. So it's feelings, decisions, beliefs. Sorry, mm -hmm. what, what else was uh, it? Choices, preferences, choices. understanding, perception, needs, wants, thoughts, ideas, or a couple of others. Okay. Okay. So, and so what, what you're, what you're saying is these are the basic structural components by which people lose themselves within a relationship. Well, that's what makes up the self. And, you know, there are default patterns that can occur where they might forfeit those things. Um, those parts of self, for the sake of the relationship. Um, there are times when compromise happens, perhaps, and that's where it might be a mindful, um, you know, losing of self or uh, adjusting one's own thoughts, beliefs, preferences, that sort of thing. The idea is to go into a place of mindfulness rather than a default pattern hmm. of losing oneself. Hmm. And, and I, uh... I um, would imagine um, most people um, aren't really aware of, most people aren't very mindful. They aren't really aware of what they're conscious of what they're doing. They do it unconsciously rather than con um, consciously. Um, for example, I think a lot of the relationship issues come about from, from conditioning and the way that relationships are framed and, and romance um, and all those kind of ideas. And so um it's easy to lose yourself because you're not conscious of what actually makes you who you are right or that you are <laughs> yeah um you know just just recognizing that i am a self and then mm. and then building from there up okay and so so um and there are people that people will get into relationships with who are adamant, like they're not going to change. They, nothing change. They don't change for anyone. Um, and this is a lot of the times where people will lose themselves. Um, right. And, you know, I've seen people become the brains or the hands or the feet for another person. <clears throat> so, you know, if, if there's no explicit, um, declaration or 
uh, conversation or terms and agreements, <clears throat> the person that has a tendency to become small or lose themselves in another person um, may begin to try to think for the other person or do for the other person. Hmm. And then, you know, that's a form of losing oneself on behalf of the other. Hmm. And that sets itself up for a toxic relationship. Okay. Okay, so, so uh, this is interesting. Now, I want to um, start um, by how do you define what is a toxic relationship? Um, <laughs> at the very basic level, if, mm. you know, two selves are not engaging as, you know, the same size circle or in their fullness of self. Okay. So, but I, I can think of, there can be examples where people may be different size circles. Yeah. Um, you know, someone may come into a relationship, they, they, they've been, um, battered literally or, or, or figuratively by life. And they're, um, they're at a time of low confidence, low self-esteem. Um, and I, they could potentially meet someone who was empathic, caring, um, but, but more further along the lines and, and more confident and more sure of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't term that to be a toxic relationship. Well, if, if other was in a supportive position and honor that the person who maybe doesn't feel positively about themselves mm. and they kind of um, put into the other, invested in the other person to become a full self, that would not be toxic. That would be no. supportive. Mm. Um, it's where one loses self in other. And it may be their own choice to do it, or, you know, it could be that, you know, there's some narcissism or toxicity on the part of other where they kind of take from, from the person who's, you know, challenged with self-esteem or feeling small, or they, um, you know, their behavior serves, you know, it functions as a way to get close or to have meaning or something like that. Okay. Um, sorry, uh, I'm just not sure that last, last, the last little bit um, uh, where it functions to, to, to get meaning or get close. That's, that's where someone's giving up their sense of self. Is that what you? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So, so in a lot of cases, it's from the, the person that will go into it, it's, it's maybe from their, their vulnerabilities and it's um, like, I can think of people who get into a relationship because basically they're scared, you know, they, they, they might get into a relationship who provides with someone who provides security at a time when they don't feel that they can provide it for themselves. Um, or, you know, in different cases where somehow they're feeling lacking. Yeah, could be. And, and I would say in those cases, um, you know, at the bare minimum, check to see who you're joining up with and if they're going to honor you um, and see you as a person rather than, you know, some sort of object or 
means to some end or you know something that that doesn't honor you or see you as a person um so you know i call it kind of doing due diligence um testing out the person and seeing how they behave um and if their selfishness or opportunistic behavior or you know something that down the line is going to prove to be harmful you know or something that the person you know if the person's feeling insecure they don't check out who they're joining up with and then later down the road there may be resentment mm. you know realization and then there would probably end up being a breakup or they you know live a life that's not uh, they're not thriving mm. okay um so so i like to the fact that you know that people have different different points of view and so people will make up a story because everyone wants to be um in our own heads we're all we're you know the world is slanted as as though we're right um and so i i see sometimes that the person who's controlling um calls the other partner controlling um the person who's manipulative will call the other person manipulative um and sometimes people will give labels to people you know like say that it, it is a toxic relationship or um their partner is a narcissist um so could you speak to to what how would you define the signs of a toxic relationship so i'll go back to the i am me and you are you and um the one plus one equals three um so i call it the relational pathway in between the i am me and you are you Okay. And so it's, it's not just automatic. There's two separate people and then they can choose to travel a relational pathway. It's not automatic that they're a couple. Hmm. It may seem that way, but they are making choices. And I would say that relational pathway would have certain conditions in a healthy relationship. So, you know, like um, terms and agreements, um having uh you know steps for when there's difficulty or steps for when there's a change of plans or steps for parenting if if they have if, if there are children involved and if there's no way to have terms and agreements and there's an expectation that one person is to fall in line with the other mm. and there's no conversation to be had that may be a sign or a red flag that there's toxicity in the relationship. Hmm. Okay. So, um, so where, and this goes back to your, your idea of, um, of one circle being larger than the other, where one has more authority, one has more say in the relationship. And, you know, I, there can be a leapfrog component to that because people can switch back and forth. Okay, um, that's, you know. 
Um, and, and what kind of situations do you see where people might uh, switch back and forth? Um, so there could be codependency in a relationship, let's say um, one is selfish and um, does whatever they want to do, let's say. And then mm. the person who may have some codependent tendencies would assist that person in doing whatever it is that they're doing. And then they gain control because I'm trying to, I, I don't have a specific scenario in mind. <laughs> I'm talking in concepts, but, um, but then there's kind of like, um, there could be like an owing to the person who has done everything for the other person and they expect things okay. in return or they have a position in the life of the other person. So um, there's kind of like, there could be a debt to pay or um, based on the positioning that the other person kind of depends on them. So they have power that way that they exert to keep, to stay in the relationship. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like creating a false sense of safety on both parts. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. So that, that they kind of slip into these roles that, yeah. that support each other in, in whatever way that they see themselves. So, so the one that's mm -hmm. the enabler um, sees themselves as a good person, selfless mm -hmm. and giving themselves up for the other. Um, and the other person sees themselves as, as the leader or, um the one like doing things that they might be deciding but for the good of the other right you know over functioning right mm. okay so um so so it's essentially where one has more say of the relationship than another but would the, would you say there's other signs of of a toxic relationship that you typically see um, so, you know, there's language like using words that make others small, like you're crazy, you're nuts. Uh, you, you're just such and such, uh, you're just a bad person, kind of black and white language, um, mm. is language that makes the other small, um, unless they know, of course, what's up and they don't assume role of small um but it's language that kind of creates the opportunity or or puts space out for them to take up um according mm -hmm. to what the person you know who's using those words um offers to them okay so um okay so 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 where this is kind of going to which you know the one i'm thinking about is is lots of um people talk to me about and it's usually after breakup and they look back and they, and they see or someone else has points out that that they've been in a relationship with someone who's um narcissistic um i'm imagining you, you probably see a lot of those type of relationships or people after those type of relationships yeah and and one thing i've noticed is there is a lot of thinking on the behalf of the narcissistic person, a lot of trying to figure out what's going on for them or, 
you know, um, you know, are they coming back? They're, you know, it depends on the level of realization and the desire of the person, you know, whether or not they've left the relationship or if the narcissistic person has left them. Um, you know, there can be all kinds of scenarios. Um, you know, in some cases, one might try to figure out the situation of the other if, you know, perhaps they have a rejection wound. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully what has happened is they realized what was going on and they said, I want to be a self and I'm running for my life. <laughs> mm. um, and then they cease thinking about the other person as much as possible, move through the pain of it, and then go on to healing and reestablishing uh, their sense of self. Is that your, um, is that your experience? Uh, because, because I, I, what I find speaking to uh, lots of people who, who uh, would class themselves having been in a relationship with a narcissistic person is that seems to be the person they're still hung up on. It's, and it's, it, yes, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you that question. Um, do you think it's harder for people, you know, if, if they've been in a relationship for, with someone who's narcissistic or who they see as being narcissistic, is it harder for them to get over that relationship than, than an, another type of relationship? Hmm. <laughs> I think, you know, many breakups are hard. Um, mm. I, I do see that happening, though, that, you know, there is, you know, if one has lost their sense of self, hmm. um, they're kind of left reeling, you know, right. after the loss of the relationship. And so it's kind of like they're trying to find their, their parts, you know, the pieces to their self. And they may be so embedded in other that um, that seems to be where to go find those pieces. Um, so you asked if it's pretty common. I'll say if I've worked with people who are still in a relationship with someone who it tends to be selfish or narcissistic, and they learn certain um, tools, including the I am me and your you, um, I think it's less painful. What I've seen is they, you know, they establish their sense of self, and then there's no room for a person who's so selfish to be in their life anymore, and they move away from the relationship in, um, in their wholeness. Um, if someone comes, you know, let's say they went through a breakup and they end up um, doing the work. I think that's where there's, I've seen challenges. They, they don't have a reference point um, to be able to stand on their solid ground. So then it's about, you know, reestablishing a sense of self or establishing a self sense of self uh, with them. And it is a painful process, very painful. Okay. So, so that interests me then. So, so this is really the, the breakup process. Uh, um, so someone's been in a, a relationship with a, like a toxic relationship they, with maybe someone who's narcissistic. Um, and they're feeling that what I've seen a lot is, is people have been in a, like a healthy relationship and they, and it's ended and they've been, okay, well, you know, it was lovely, but, um, 
but that it doesn't bother them as much. It's like, yeah, we're still friends and, you know, it's sad it's over, but it's, that's it. But the person that was, you know, narcissistic, it's like, why, why, why did they leave me? Why did they, <coughs> sorry. And um, so, so I kind of, my read of it is that it's, it's more difficult because yeah, they, there's a part of them lost and, and, in a healthy relationship, they feel fine and they feel ready to move on. Whereas in a not so healthy relationship, they're not fit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's feeding into that kind of enabling when they're not feeling like they're able to move on. Right. So the reset is getting back to one's own solid ground rather than what I heard was, you know, why did, was the question, why did they leave? No, no, no. Uh, oh. Yeah, I mean that 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 team t tends to be the kind of like, why did they do this? Why did they? Right. Why? Yeah. Well, right, and that's you know them like thinking for the other person, thinking on behalf of the other, trying to figure out their why without you know the information hmm. that's not available to them. Um. So they're rather than thinking about oh this just happened to me what will i do to take care of me they're busy over in the other domain the other person's domain trying to figure out their thoughts and reasons and perception and uh preferences and all of that and you know that's impossible you cannot be in someone else's domain thinking on their behalf the only place that you can think or a person can think is in their own domain with their own thoughts, their own beliefs, their own preferences. And that's where they'll find a place of being centered and on solid ground. And then they're able to walk solidly and do whatever it is that they'll do as a self. Okay. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's very clarifying to me because um, now I see the centrality of your concept of I am me, you, you are you. Um, because for me, I talk about it in a slightly different ways. I, I think of it as um, there's the truth, there's, which is the facts of the situation. And then there's the, the narrative of the story that we make up about those things. And where lots of relationship difficulties are, are because we take our stories and we, we, um, mistake them as facts and so we say like you know you didn't put out the rubbish because you, you're you don't care you're, or you just don't care about me and all these kind of things that we read in so what you're talking about in terms of I am me you are you is a sense of deal with reality um, rather than your story of reality right so I call that finding the truest thing in the room and that is your truth and not um, you know, the words that you just heard might be the truth, mm. uh, but, uh, but giving meaning that's on behalf of another person, um, is not the truest thing in the room. It's a guess and you're thinking on their behalf. And, okay. and if there's no place for clarification, then you're not traveling a relational pathway. And then I would question whether or not that's a healthy relationship without, having a way to converse or, you know, come to learn what they're thinking. Um, I, if you're left guessing, then, you know, what's going on in that relationship? 
Okay. So I, there's, I am me, you are you. Um, and then there's the relational pathway. And, and, and can you talk a little bit more detail about what the relational pathway is? Right. So if two people choose to travel a relational pathway, they may talk about, okay, so if we have um, a change of plans, this is what we might do. Or we just had this happen. Um, what are we as a, you know, a, a two-person entity or you know, whichever number of people, depending on the type of relationship it's in, it is, um, what will we do with this situation? Um, as a group, you know, a small group of two or more. Um, and it's kind of that um, entity of multiple people that would be the relational pathway. Um, in a breakup, um, here's an example. So there's the I am me and you are you. We mm. just had a breakup very often people will try to travel the relational pathway and say, let's meet up one more time to talk about breakup and they call it closure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, if there are two people who are operating in their healthy full selves and they do that, they may gain a lot from it. If it's an unhealthy relationship, one person is seeking to meet for closure. The other person maybe not so interested or perhaps they're interested. They go meet up, they travel the relational pathway, they have mixed feelings, they, you know, act as if they're a couple again, but they're really breaking up, but they're really acting as a couple. They're traveling the relational pathway, but it's not clear. And it might be confusing. And sometimes those situations are better off without that closure uh, time. <laughs> it just depends on what the terms are or if there are terms, right? Without terms, it can get very confusing. Yeah, and, and, and often there's, um, they're, they're meeting because like they're hurting they, they don't want to be hurting anymore and maybe they one or more wants to get back together and it's it's it's, it's so many different emotions that, and and motivations that they're not even aware of right um so what you're talking about is, is being very clear communicationally and being very um conscious and mindful about what you want and um expressing yourself and what you need from the other person Right. And whether or not traveling the relational pathway is the best idea, okay. um, especially uh, in a breakup. And so by the, traveling the relation, it means talking. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or at behave, it, it could be emailing, it could be decision making, um, anything that would be the group rather than individuals. Okay. Um, so then you're moving closer rather than moving away from each other or separating. Okay. So now what happens in such a case where um, someone's in a relationship or, or even finishing or, or ended a relationship with someone who's not a very good communicator? 
And I'm thinking there are men, uh, women often say about like, a number of men just won't talk, can't talk. Um, what does someone do in such a case? So um, rather than pushing, pulling, convincing, um, begging, uh, what I like to recommend is that people um, learn the art of send outs. So rather than me trying to get you to do something, mm. I learn how to send out from me what it is that I feel, think, want, need, expect, prefer, believe, agree with, disagree with. And I present that to the other person who may not be a great communicator. And they, as a separate person, may or may not travel the relational pathway to join with me in conversation. Um, they may express themselves in a way that I might be able to understand. Um, and if not, seek clarification. Um, but by sending out, I'm not overtaking that person in an effort to travel the relational pathway. And I'm not trying to pull them along. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm guessing you have some frameworks or structures that you, you give to people to, to do these send outs. Right. Um, so yeah, there's like little scripts that come along with doing send outs. Um, if, if you give me a little bit of a scenario of someone who is, is this in a breakup or okay. a relationship? Well, well, let's say, say someone's, someone's not happy in a relationship and it's like, you know, I want to have a talk. And for a lot of men, um, and men have told me that this, that's the most terrifying words they've ever heard. Um, and it immediately shuts them down. Mm. Um, so how does someone communicate to someone that doesn't want to listen? Not because they don't, you know, not because they're not a good person. Not, they're just not equipped to deal with that or don't think they are. Right. So the person who's sending out, I would challenge them to check in with their own value system. And, um, you know, by sharing information with someone who may not want to listen, um, you're choosing to travel, you know, or invite the person to travel the relational pathway. And then I would say, you know, use language um, that is according to your value system, whether it's kind or honest or graceful or, um, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, there's various things that would be in a value system, but, you know, to send out something to that person and then they take it or leave it. But you're sending it out according to your own value system. Um, and, and I'm not sure what the message would be. Is it a breakup message or is it an invitation to connect? Yeah, it would be where there was a problem and they would want to, to, okay. So, so this kind of, um, where you have the two circles, 
so mm. what you've got in this in this example is one typically as a generalization maybe the woman is more um happy and more comfortable to talk about things it's natural for her mm-hmm. whereas for for a, for the man might say you know it's not comfortable I, you know I, I don't want to talk about it. i just i don't I, we don't need to have this discussion i just i don't want to do that so there is a point if you're um and I know it, the, the natural thing for, for all of us is, you know, we, we talk about this all the time and, and it's about being conscious and it's about being mindful. But there are some people that don't go along with that idea. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're necessarily the, the people that are going to be toxic. They might be perfectly nice, caring people, but they just don't subscribe to the idea that they need to talk about it. So she's here, she's in a relationship with, he's a good man but he just doesn't want to talk about the relationship and there's a point where if you're gonna say that this is the only way that we can work on that where uh her circle is getting bigger and his is his is shrinking um and so i'm 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 just thinking thinking aloud here that that seems that there's that's an area where by you know like the roles can reverse if that makes sense Mm -hmm. it's it comes down to who moves who who moves whose feet (laughs) yeah and and what i'm thinking is like so to to directly bring it up and just talk about it if he if he's not um in a place where he's able to to do that then he needs to clearly be made safe and, and, and do it in some other form. Um, do, you have, do you have any tips or structures for that? Right. So, you know, a send out that I'm thinking of might be something like, I would like to have a conversation with you. There's something that's on my mind. I recognize that you as a separate person may not, appreciate talking in the same way that I do based on what you've said in the past and based on what I'm seeing right now that it seems like you're moving away from the conversation. Um, I'd like for you to know that this is very important to me and I would like to invite you to let me know under what conditions would it feel better or possible for you to have a conversation with me. That might be a good start. Okay. And um, what do you um, find is typically with response? You know, someone, someone, I mean, is this something you come across um, quite often where men are reluctant or afraid of, of having an open discussion about their relationship? Right. So I think anyone who is sensing that other is creating the space for them to be small or they're trying to move them without them being in agreement, um, that they're not going to be as motivated or receptive or interested perhaps in engaging. Hmm. So they may disengage. And there, you know, of course, in the system, there's history and relationships in the past and, you know, parent relationships and all of that that kind of sets the stage. 
Um, so, you know, with that in mind, um, what I've seen in many situations is that if the person who may want something really works at establishing that the other person is a self and that they honor them regardless of agreement or disagreement that they recognize and they make it known look i see you as a person i care about you as a person maybe they don't care about them as a person at the moment but they honor mm. them as a person mm. you know and they say you know i really want to invite you at the table to the table um, i recognize that you're you i'm me we may have a difference. Um, I would like to invite you to come sit and talk with me. Um, now, of course, this is my language, but something along those lines that just really goes down to that basic place because, you know, I am me and you are you. Because if I sense that you're coming to me and you're not seeing me as a me, I'm going to go into kind of like a fight or flight mode because it's actually like a threat to self. Becoming mm -hmm. small is like a threat to one's life, their sense of self. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of reactions, you know, the reaction to that experience is what the other person will have in front of them. But if they like, you know, honor the other person and it's not threatening to their self, whether they agree or disagree or there's a wrongdoing or whatever it might be. If, if they come to the table and say, look, I see you, I realize you're different than me. I'm coming as me and I'm inviting you as you to travel the relational pathway, my language, to come sit together, to come to make an appointment together with a therapist, to you know, have a conversation. And I would like to offer you this, I'm adding this in now, I'd like to offer you these ground rules. I'd like to propose that either of us can get up and walk away at any time. I propose that if one of us walks away, we return to the conversation within 24 hours. I propose that we use language that's kind, and respectful. I propose that we each can have an opinion. I propose that, you know, uh, we don't have to agree. And then the other person may say, oh, this doesn't feel so unsafe anymore. Hmm. Okay. Does that match up with some of the situations you've encountered? Um. Yeah, it, I, yeah. As you say, I think it's it is essentially about making someone feel safe, so that they feel, um, because somewhere from from their history, from some experience or some learning, they they found it isn't safe to to talk and um, have shut down. Um, so. Um, Okay, um, so 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 now my my question is, um, so when when someone's uh, coming out of that toxic relationship, 
um, and maybe he's saying it in, in um, um, like the relationship has progressed and, and this guy has left or, or whatever. Um, and it's been a, a relationship like toxic where he may have been a narcissist. Um, how does the, the like how does she then get over the 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 feelings of loss of worth and the small self and um just get over the general breakup feelings right so um you know first recognizing i'm a person and as a person you know the this is i have rights um, you know, I have the right to be seen as a person. I have the right to operate as a person. Um, and then recognize that um, there is pain um, when there's loss uh, or there are feelings. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's, it's not necessarily in the, you know, the hurt realm. Um, and then um, make it, making a determination to refrain from uh, traveling the relational pathway and to focus on one's own internal self to move through the experience, um, you know, the pain, the sadness, the anger, the sense of loss, the loneliness, um, the regret, um, move through all of those things without seeking to fix it by going back to the relational pathway. And so, you know, there's pain either way, but by um, making a determination to go through it without returning to the relational pathway, uh, then they will be um, creating safety for themselves and also um, developing a sense of self and repairing a self, sense of self. Okay. But before anyone else can make you feel small, um, there has to be that level of doubt um, and insecurity in yourself. Right. So complicity is a legal term. <laughs> mm. And, um, you know, it's uh, assisting in breaking the law. And, uh, you know, in relationships that are toxic, there's complicity and it goes against the law, it's joining with someone in going against the law of nature that you are a self and you have rights as a self. And, and so when someone's done that and allowed someone to do that to them, um, it's, it's first them that doesn't see themselves. It's first them that doesn't value themselves. And so what, how, in your experience, where, where do people who are feeling like they, they're not worthy and they're feeling that they don't exist or, or whatever. Um, the, the, the beginning bit is the difficult. So where do, um, or how do you help them to, to find that or, or what is the process that they kind of come to, um, to make that start? Right. So, you know, I'd like to go back just one moment and say there are plenty of strong self people who end up in situations where they become small 
and um, the complicity factor it can be based in trickery. <laughs> there are people who, you know, do toxic things and, and people are not aware of, you know, those tactics. Not that everything is on purpose in a toxic relationship, but there are those where, you know, someone is a predator or um, does toxic things. And it may not be that the person allowed them. It may be they didn't realize that there was trickery and tactics being used and they just kind of fell victim to those tactics. Um, and so either way, uh, the reestablishing of self would be to kind of, you know, visit what do I like? Um, you know, what, what, are my preferences? What are my beliefs? Um, how can I take care of me? Um, making decisions about, you know, the small things like I decide to go here. I'm deciding to go there. I'm deciding to eat this. I'm deciding to read this book. And they build on making those decisions on behalf of self rather than on behalf of other. And, you know, they build their own um, infrastructure of self and before they know it they're they're operating in a centered and solid way uh, one thing that I ask people to do is um, literally stand on their feet and have that sensation of standing on solid ground and even like kind of pounding their feet onto the ground mm. and paying attention to what it's like to be on their own feet Okay, so 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 it's in in essence a uh, uh, very much more conscious being conscious of of your and aware of your choices and of your of yourself of your feelings, um, and yeah, and then it kind of fades into mindful. the landscape as those pathways are developed. You know, the internal pathways. Okay, um, and then you just build on that to develop more and more um, until you're back clear and I am me. Right. And then cautiously moving forward in relationships going, going forward. <laughs> okay. So when you say cautiously moving forwards, um, I'm, I'm interested in that concept. Although. So um, I call it temperament testing. So going forward in relationships uh, and not to be cruel, but just to kind of test out how things are, see what happens, you know, on a first or second date, or, you know, as one is dating a person, um, see what happens if you disagree, see what happens if you make a change of plans, see what happens if you have an opinion and you're not uh, willing to move on that opinion. Um, See what happens if you have a bad moment. If everything rests on you being on good behavior all the time, then, you know, that's rather risky. <laughs> hmm. um, so, you know, there are ways to pay attention and to kind of do things that test out to see what the other person will do in response and then take note of it. And so it's, you know, you're kind of, in the role of social scientist 
rather than engaging fully in that relational pathway, you're acting as a separate self and taking in information to make a good decision. And then if it seems clear, then start proposing terms and agreements. Um, you know, it could be a statement of preference, like, you know, I like to do it this way, or I prefer if, you know, we end up having children, I'd like to parent this way. What do you think? And, and then, um, then they're, they're building a relationship that is healthy and based in the I am me and you are you. And then having terms and agreements as part of their relational pathway. Okay. So, so in essence, it's, it's about being very much uh, conscious and mindful. Uh, people often say that they, you know, like very early on, they had, they ignored gut feelings or, um, you know, certain things happened and they, they were like, hang on, but they kind of allowed that to go and um, didn't listen to themselves. But what you're saying is be very um, conscious of all your instincts and, aware of um where things might not seem to tally up right and and maybe make some determinations about non-negotiables yeah um so uh, like have a deep grounded sense of self and, and what you're looking for and what uh is acceptable for you and not right okay so we've talked a lot about the negatives of relationships but I mean, the whole point of having relationships is, is the positives and, and how they make us feel. And, uh, so I'm interested in, we've talked about signs of toxic relationships and the nature of a toxic relationship, but what for you would be like a, a healthy, fulfilling, loving relationship? Well, so safety, um, operating as a self in the relationship, uh, being seen. Um, and then, you know, out of that, if, if one, if, if there's not this like, um, leapfrog of, you know, becoming bigger and both people are feeling safe and grounded and being seen and, you know, there's a structure for terms and agreements or the opportunity for terms and agreements to be made then they can move into creativity and, um, you know, activities and loving behavior and um, building and growing. Um, and so without all of that, like circular behavior, like going around in circles and arguing and getting stuck and ruminating and all of that worrying, um, becoming detached, becoming, you know, um, you know, flatlining where they're kind of despondent. <laughs> if that's not all happening, they can move into like this, you know, growth and expansion and love and creativity. So, so yeah, so kind of growing the circle and both growing together. Right. So there's one, just one question in that, that um, in about, you know, the, the sense of self um, and, and so 
I see I see what you're saying and it makes sense about you know being yourself and you never want to lose yourself but isn't there something about the relationship where somewhere um there is a part of not losing yourself in a bad way but losing yourself um in in a more positive um in a healthy way like like where your sense of self is um, it's healthy in a, in a sense, but there, there are limits to yourself. Um, and there's the limits of your ego. There's the limits of uh, the way that you think. And, and um, we're limited by that. And is there a, a, a point where we lose, whether the relationship helps us go beyond the limitations of the self? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So once mm. it's established that both people are, um, you know, have rights as individuals or, um, you know, ourselves and are seen, um, then it's safe to really join together. And, um, you know, in a healthy relationship, there's that reference point of, hey, are you okay with this? Or, hey, you know, um, I see you over there. Um, I'm checking in with you. Um, but overall, it's very safe, and and they can join together absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. And, and and I suppose and and the the prerequisite for that is is basically a sense of trust, and and I, and I think that's what you're talking about with safety, is in, in the sense of when you trust the intentions and motivations of the other person, and that you know that you're safe you can let go it's kind of like a fairground ride we go on fairground rides for for the joy and the thrill of the ride but we only do it because it's a safe context and so right. it's so, you know each morning wouldn't it be nice to say to one's partner i choose you today hmm. and so it you know it's it's not that you give up your ability to choose it's with with choosing um, or with choice that you spend your day with that person and kind of get lost in them, <laughs> get lost mm. in each other and, and join forces. Mm. Um, but there is that reference point of ultimately I will be a self and take care of self, but I found you to be worthy of joining together and I choose you today. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean that, that for me, that kind of wraps up the whole journey. Um, is, is there any key concepts that you'd say that we've missed in this, in this discussion or? or I think that's about... a really good overview of um, what I found to be really, really powerful in um being a healthy self in the context of relationship. Hmm. Okay. Well, it's, it's been, it's been fascinating to, to hear, um, hear your, your thoughts and, and map out kind of that, that journey from, from toxicity to joy, really. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for, for joining me and, and sharing your ideas and tools. It was my pleasure, Robert. Thank you for inviting me. This has been wonderful.